0: KVLA Talk 1580. we got a lot to talk about. We are not playing. It is election season, and I'm so excited to have uh, joining us this morning. Uh, She's a candidate for the United States Senate um, from California, Uh, but from her segregated hometown to the halls of Congress, she's never stopped fighting for what's right. She says, As a teenager in San Fernando High School, when black girls weren't allowed to be cheerleaders, she joined forces with the NAACP and became her high school's first black cheerleader. She was one of the first black women to rise up to a senior position on Capitol Hill as chief of staff for the legendary Congressman Ron Dellums and the first African American woman elected to the state assembly and the Senate from Northern California. Uh, and she's been a champion for justice in the legislature. She wrote California's First Violence Against Women Act to ensure protections uh, for victims of domestic violence and authored the California Schools Hate Crimes Reduction Act to protect all students, regardless of their race, gender, or sexual orientation, from hate crimes. And there is so much more. She's now running for Senate because she says it's time to find real solutions to homelessness. Lift people out of poverty, protect our democracy and human rights. Congresswoman Barbara Lee, good morning
1: Good morning, Glad to be with you.
0: Glad to have you here. Um, it's my pleasure and my honor. Um, Congresswoman Lee, how do, what did you make of last night's uh, debate for the senatorial um, debate uh, between yourself, Katie Porter, Adam Schiff, and um, Steve Garvey?
1: I think voters for the first time got a chance to see all three of us and can make their decision, or at least because there's so many undecideds, at least come closer to evaluating the candidates and making their decision on who they want to vote for. You know, uh, there are on, on March 5th, there are two elections in on one ballot, the special election and the primary election. And so part of what we're trying to do, and I'm really uh, thankful for. USC and those who put together this debate is to make sure that um, the undecideds and candidates who aren't sure of who we are, what we stand for, what we intend to do in the um, Senate to make life better for everyone, uh, it's important that these debates take place. And so I think it was great and People had a chance to see um, where we agreed and where we disagreed.
0: Yeah, um, I, I laughed to myself when you said the three of us, because I assume you're just counting out Mr. Garvey, <laughs> um, who. <laughs> well, I think Democrats uh, will have that choice,
1: and uh, hopefully some Republicans also. Yeah. In terms of supporting Democrats.
0: Those kind of debates are always tough because uh, you're fighting the clock, right? You're not just fighting uh, the other candidates, you're up against the clock. And it seemed like you were, um, you know, putting your foot down to make sure you got equal time.
1: You have to do that uh, within the context of trying to stay within the time. But every candidate uh, comes back sometimes uh with the rebuttal um outside of that time frame and so I believe in sticking to the rules but I also know that when other candidates uh talk about what they want to talk about, then it's important for all of us to be able to at least reclaim our time as Congresswoman Waters and <laughs> there with me last night, which is really, really uh, great to have her in the audience.
0: Yeah, she's been an ardent supporter of yours. Uh she's been on this show and other shows on this station urging Uh, people to vote for you. And a lot of us were really strong in the position that we wanted an African American woman to replace an African American woman when uh, Senator Kamala Harris became Vice President Kamala Harris. And and ultimately, that's not what happened. do you, why do you think that's important? I mean, you've just I just barely started talking about the your firsts as a black woman would take us the whole hour to get through all of them. Uh, but why do you think that's important that we have a black woman in that seat?
1: And, you know, uh, Dominique, being a first means that you've just broken through and you've got to pull others behind you uh, to lift everyone up. And so it's been very, very difficult being first because you're faced with a system that, as Shirley Chisholm told me, when I met her and got involved in politics, who's the first African-American woman elected to Congress, she told me, look, these rules weren't made for you, and I. you've got to get in there, break that ceiling, and then shake things up, change those rules, because these rules need to be changed because they weren't made for us. And so it's been hard cracking those rules that glass ceiling. But still, it means that others can come through, just like uh, when I was cheerleader at San Fernando High School. And so uh, having a black woman in the Senate is extremely important, because since 1789, there have only been three. Uh, and that's Carol Mosley Braun, Vice President Harris, and now Senator Butler. Uh, that perspective since 1789 has been in the United States Senate, 10 years. They've served a total of 10 years. So imagine, wow. first of all, what our community has lost and the country and the state has lost 10 years since 1789. And black women have a perspective that um, is serious uh, to bring not only our, lift our communities up and people up, but the country. And it's a gap in the Senate that needs to be filled. And I hope that people understand that it's not just um, which Democrat, it's who's going to fight for justice and for freedom and for our democracy and for voting rights and for making life better, for housing. You know, the lived experiences of black women, my lived experiences, connect with the 20 million in California who are one paycheck away from poverty. So lived experiences and representation matters. Everywhere, but especially in the United States Senate from California.
0: Yeah, that was real obvious in the debate last night when Steve Garvey started talking about how he was walking around, uh, touring uh, homeless encampments, and your reply to him was so so spot on because he, you know, he, he, you said he was being patronizing, but it was also like just listening to it as an observer, like he was going to a zoo or something, as opposed to having. Any real um, grounded understanding of what folks are going through and what uh, people need to get out of that, uh, that trap. So, if you, I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit, you know, because you, you did it in a really short time, um, saying that you yourself have personal experience there, and so you don't necessarily have to go to the, the Homeless Wax Museum.
1: Sure, and it was, it was really disgusting. And uh, that was one of the times I had to uh, reclaim a little bit of time. Uh, It was uh, clear that he did not have even a handle on what it means to be unsheltered. And I had a period in my life, after a very difficult marriage, uh, survivor of domestic violence, I had no place to live. And so I um, was unhoused, and I actually, every night, had to find some place to sleep. And it was a terrible experience. And for him to portray people living on the streets the way he did, and for him to only solution was to audit the funds that have been sent to communities, I mean, that's not how you uh, address the serious issue of homelessness, houselessness, people who are unsheltered and so you've got to have people in the senate imagine if he were in the senate at the table writing a bill legislation he would have no idea among what mental health services are needed by profession i'm a psychiatric social worker i started my community mental health center years ago and i understand what's taking place the trauma around being unhoused the mental health services that are required i also understand the laws of this country and why we have to get to a national evic- uh, eviction policy so that people who can't afford the exorbitant rates in California are supported by the Department of HUD so that they don't have to be evicted or so they can get a place to live in the first place. I have legislation, the Deposit Act, which would allow low-income people to go to HUD to get the ten or $15,000 that's needed just for a deposit to move in. He would never think of that as a way to address uh, homelessness. And so you have to have people with a lens. And as a black woman who's lived many of the experiences many people here in California live, if I'm at the table writing legislation, it's not going to be say to address the unsheltered population and fight for affordable housing. You have to do an audit. I would say, look, let's first designate housing as infrastructure so we can consider it, as important as building roads and bridges, and two, let's look at a comprehensive strategy to prevent people from being unhoused, to make sure if they have the unfortunate uh, moment that they are unhoused, to make sure they get into safe, clean housing with mental health services that their children are taken care of, and then put in job training and help them find a job. I mean, we know what it takes. He doesn't.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's true. We've seen uh, Mayor Karen Bass here in Los Angeles um, really trying to lock arms with county and federal resources, uh, you know, from her experience as a congressperson to get all of these levels of government working together. Uh, It sounds like you have some ideas on how to do that for the unhoused, uh, you know, in the Senate.
1: Yes, Mayor Bass is doing a phenomenal job. And I've spoken with her about some of her strategies, which I think need to be taken to the Senate uh, as a model, as a prototype, and as uh, what we need to fund. I mentioned earmarks and tax dollars. You know, California is a donor state. We send more taxes to the federal government than we bring back home. And so why don't we fight for earmarks and for bringing dollars back uh, for strategies that work? And I think Mayor Bass is is really leading on this issue and uh, you know he needs mr garvey needs to look at uh, what policies can really help address um, homelessness beginning from making sure people have access to affordable housing to if they don't um making sure that they are addressed as human beings uh, and seen in a humane capacity as it relates to what they need to get them off of the streets quickly.
0: Talking with Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who is running for Senate, uh, find out more about how you can help if you want to help, find out more of the policies that uh, she's putting forth, some of which um, were on display in a debate, a senatorial debate last night. we got another one coming up uh, in March as well. All that is straight ahead on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: A safe place to go loud, loud, loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. Dominique am on KBLA Talk 1580. And
0: we're talking with Congresswoman uh, Barbara Lee, who is looking for your vote uh, to join the Senate. The Senate, of course, the most elite club in our government, in our national government, with only two senators per state, regardless of how many people are in that state. Clearly, we should have about four senators in California, but you only get two. Um, And the Senate, um, you know, is a place where black women have not been welcomed, as uh, as Congresswoman Lee pointed out. I didn't realize it was a total of 10 years uh, for the three black women that we have had in the Senate. That's pretty measly over the entire um, course of our nation's history, and you are aiming to be the fourth. Tell, tell me how folks... You know, if if people want to get involved with your campaign, because I know a lot of our KBLA delegation do feel strongly about having a black woman in that spot, and particularly a progressive uh, black woman. I assume that you consider yourself progressive. Certainly, that's what your policies point to. Oh,
1: thank you, Dominique. Yes, I've been a consistent progressive over the years, and being a progressive means that you're fighting to make sure that everyone has an opportunity at the American-slash-California dream. And uh, being a progressive means that you want people to have access to affordable housing, health care, live in communities where they don't have to uh, worry about uh, clean water, and to have access to entrepreneurship and to uh, job opportunities. Our labor union movement is this. Extremely strong here in California, and we want uh, people, especially African-Americans, people of color, women, to be able to get good-paying union jobs. So being a progressive means you want to make life better for everyone, and you fight for justice, for freedom, and and for peace, and for closing these gaps that we still see uh, that that bear out uh, in these terrible uh, gaps and disparities uh, in terms of our economic white in america and in california and so my website is um barbara of course raising money uh we've got to do because media and, and advertising is very expensive and that's how people get to know you but we also have a phenomenal people-powered campaign where we would urge and encourage people to to sign up to help us phone bank to help us uh do the ground game it's also important that uh, people know that uh, I'm supported by six of the eight constitutional officers here in California, Ricardo Lara, Mayor Bass, Congresswoman Congresswoman Waters. When you uh, look at uh, what organizations have endorsed, endorsed me, people forget that Bernie Sanders uh, won the Democratic primary by 10 points. I have the endorsement of our revolution, and his team is my uh, campaign uh structure in terms of leading my campaign efforts here in california working families parties we have gen z for change many lgbtq plus democratic clubs many uh, young dims uh, you name it we have a people-centered people-powered campaign and so i would love for more people to join us spread the word because if you and and you, what we see is bias in the um, media and bias in the campaign finance system because- to have an opponent with thirty five million
0: which is Adam Schiff. clear yeah. Adam
1: Schiff, which is clearly uh does not allow for a level playing field for uh a person like Barbara Lee, a black progressive woman, because there's no level playing field with the dark money that comes in and with the donor base. And so we have to rely on people. Uh, people send recurring donors, donations every month, like $20 a month, $30 a month. So we're raising money, and I've raised money over the years for other candidates. Now it's raising money for Barbara Lee for Senate. So thank you all for those who can help. And just know it's getting into the top two on March 5th. Ballots will be dropped in a couple of weeks. And it's uh, a primary and a special election on the same ballot. So you have to vote twice uh, – one for the special, one for the primary. So I hope you educate voters that uh, vote for Barbara Lee two times.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's similar <laughs> to what we did with Padilla, right? Because he's filling yeah. out he was filling out an unfinished term, so you got to vote him in for that term and then the new term, and they're both on the same ballot, That's so it. you're bo- voting for the same person twice, but for two different time periods.
1: That's it. And so don't um, let this confused voters and so thank you for giving me a chance and dominique for talking about that because we don't we have to get every vote we need to get to about 27 percent and we're phone banking every night and the phone banking and targeting our voters is coming very well and so this is how uh senator sanders won california through organizing and targeting voters and making sure that everyone gets to the polls so mail in your ballots early uh if not you can also vote on election day but understand that this is a very critical election and so if you go again to my website com, it can bring it will bring up my history my bio my position mm-hmm. what i want to do in the senate to represent california and also the endorsers and how they uh, their perspective on myself and any information that you need. Of course, there's a phone number. Feel free to call to get more information.
0: You mentioned earmarks uh, before we went to um, news traffic and sports, and that was a, uh, a hot topic in the debate last night with Katie Porter saying we shouldn't have any earmarks and that they lead to corruption, and the other three candidates saying you got to you have to earmark money, you have to set money aside for projects in. Your home district, and that's one of the reasons you're there to fight. Do you think people are confused around this? I think, you know, to me it seems like earmarks, just like any other moving of money or resources, is, you know, sure there's corruption, but there could be corruption in any moving of money. Um, Is there more clarification needed on that, do you think?
1: Uh Sure, and really these are community-funded projects, and what... To me, uh, if you don't represent your community by targeting funding for projects you know that will create opportunities, jobs, and services and fill the gaps, then it's a dereliction of your duty. I mean, I have wonderful organizations which provide badly needed services and jobs, which are engaged in... Crime prevention, for example, I have one group that they could never get funded because they don't have the capacity. This is many, many of our nonprofits in black and brown communities, especially. They're doing the work, but they don't have expensive uh, proposal writers. They don't have lobbyists in D.C. They don't have the infrastructure because they're they're nonprofits and they're delivering what they're contracted to deliver. So why wouldn't a member of Congress say, "Hey"? Let's send a couple of million dollars to this um, program that provides housing for unhoused children. Uh, Why won't I send money to my uh, youth program that provides training for violence interrupters? These are formerly incarcerated individuals and former gang members, and they know what to do in the streets to prevent crime from occurring. And crime and public safety is a big issue. So, why wouldn't I? target an earmark to that group to help them prevent crime? Why wouldn't I target resources to uh, health centers and to um, transportation centers and transit buses? And why wouldn't I do that uh, to just bring back some of these tax dollars that we never get back? Uh, Last year, I was able to earmark to community projects about $18 million. That's not enough. And, of course, they have to be transparent and there has to be accountability. So, you know, worst case, makes bad law, well, for someone not to want to do that is very um, arrogant and doesn't understand the needs of certain communities that are struggling and that need the help of the federal government. So I'm going to continue to fight for earmarks uh, in the Senate, and I'm going to fight to direct them to the community with communities where I know they need this type of uh, help to fill the
0: gap we got uh, about a minute till news traffic and sports on the other side of that i want to talk about gaza because this was definitely a delineating issue for the candidates in this race But with just about a minute here, I was really surprised at how quickly um, Steve Garvey, as a Republican in the race, surged, having entered late and now being a contender for second place, which would mean there would only be one Democrat. We've been assuming that there would be two Democrats in that runoff. It might only be one. Did this surprise you? And and what do you think we ought to be doing about it?
1: We need to vote. Uh, No, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, he He has name recognition. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to make sure that people uh, who support um, a Democrat, hopefully Barbara Lee for Senate, will will get to the polls. And that's basically what it is. The, the only poll that matters is the voters,
0: You're right? Who,
1: who won vote for it? So that's what. Uh, i'm urging people and encouraging people to do
0: that's a great point the only real poll that matters is when you go to the polls and uh, make your vote heard we're talking with congresswoman barbara lee who's seeking to be senator barbara lee uh barbara lee for ca.com is where you can find out more volunteer etc and we'll continue the conversation after news traffic and sports exclusively on kbla talk 1580
1: She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here.
0: Uh, we are talking with Congresswoman uh, Barbara Lee. She is running for... The Senate seat for uh, second Senate seat from California now open uh, after the passing of um, Senator Dianne Feinstein. It is a tough and competitive race. Um, as we've been discussing, the uh, Republican Steve Garvey's kind of risen quickly um, the former Dodger and would refuse to say at the debate on last night, whether or not he would vote for Trump. That was a moment of unity between the the Democratic candidates trying to get that answer from him. And uh, he defended Trump, Trump, but refused to to say that he would definitely vote for him.
1: Yes, it's very interesting how, as a candidate, he was not forthcoming about who he is. Now, I did uh, raise that which had not been raised, uh, he has voted for Trump twice. And so when you vote for someone, that assumes that you accept their policies and their agenda. And Donald Trump is a threat to our democracy. I was on the uh, floor of the House of Representatives on January 6th, and I know how dangerous he is. And I know that uh, it's important for the public to challenge and to um, force Mr. Garvey to talk about his views on the issues and if he embraces the mega extremist Republican views. And of course, he was cagey about it. But that's not how candidates who are going to represent the state of California responds to voters. We have to be honest and truthful and tell the truth and let voters decide. But to not be authentic, clear, and above board is disingenuous. And I hope that the voters understand that there must be something to hide.
0: Yeah, I I felt like he was being real. He was being real shady. Uh, He didn't want to say he voted for Trump, but he said he voted for him twice and that he didn't like Biden. So what does that tell you? Um, You know, he also... Uh, he did say that he wasn't for a national abortion ban, but I felt like it was a little of the tap dancing that a, a lot of Republicans are doing right now because they know that that, that issue is a ball and chain for them, uh, not just with women voters of color, but with uh, their so-called soccer moms as well.
1: Reproductive freedom, and I've been endorsed by the uh, reproductive, National Reproductive Freedom Organization. Uh, and it's important that reproductive freedom be a big issue, a top issue for a candidate in California, because this is about, one, our constitutional right has been taken away first time in yeah. history. Secondly, no government should be deciding what you're going to, the decisions that you need to make for such a personal health care matter. And thirdly, um, uh, He doesn't quite, and the Republicans are trying to navigate this because they do uh, know that the public is with those of us on the side of reproductive freedom. Yeah. And so they're trying to uh, play that game again.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's what I'm saying about Mr. Garvey. Make him talk about Donald Trump, the MAGA extremist Republican agenda, and if that's what he supports.
0: Um, I have uh, I yeah. co
1: chair actually Pro Choice Caucus and I've talked about what it was like before um Roe, uh having to go to um Mexico for an abortion as a young girl, teenager living in Pacoima, in San Fernando. And it was hard. But that was my own decision. My mother and I made that decision. Nobody's business about that's why I never talked about it. But I had that opportunity, uh And it almost um, was very similar to now because now in certain states, women are criminalized. And these are black and brown women living in the South, primarily in these states that have these restrictive laws. And I then worried that I could be arrested. And I also worried that I could die because this was in a back alley in in Mexico. And uh, the primary death of black women was uh, septic abortions.
0: You took your life into your hands. um, And, well, you know, there, there's so many of these issues, you know, where, where Republicans are on the fence. But one of the things that the whisper, I guess you could call it whisper campaigns that I hear, wh- which I like to um, address, is that, you know, we know that you were the only one uh, to vote against the military intervention in uh, Afghanistan in 2001. Um, and that was a courageous, courageous vote for people who don't remember back then. Uh, that's what eventually got me off, uh, main things that got me off that radio job that I had at that time. You weren't allowed to speak out. It was very, very toxic, pseudo patriotic environment and you, and you bravely stood up, but I hear whispers that, well, that was the Barbara Lee, uh, Congresswoman Lee of 2001, that somehow you become less progressive over the years and, you know, in aligning with the Biden administration, uh, on their, on their policies and, uh, And positions. How do you respond to that?
1: Well, my response is uh, I've been a consistent progressive over the years. And when you look at uh, my history of leading, uh, it's a progressive, consistent history. For example, I um, stood up and decided very clearly early on that uh, we needed cannabis reform because black and brown people were being incarcerated for uh, crimes committed against the uh, the drug laws of this country. And so I established and fought for uh, co-chairing, which I do, the Cannabis Caucus, and I introduced the very first Marijuana Justice Act, which is a progressive position to decriminalize and to provide for equity and legalize uh, cannabis so that we can get a handle on this war on drugs and to provide um, expungement for those who have been incarcerated as a result of the war on drugs, and to provide equity in the uh, businesses. Uh, Many states, such as California, have passed these laws, so why shouldn't the federal government support access to banking and equity for uh, people who have been impacted by the war on drugs? That's a very progressive position. When you look at uh, working with George Bush, yeah, I've worked with Republicans, uh, who I totally disagree with. And I uh, led the effort on our, all of our global AIDS initiatives. And you may have heard of PEPFARC, the Global Fund, all of the issues that uh, address, especially the black community and Africa, people in Africa who were dying disproportionately HIV and AIDS. I've been able to help save 25 million lives. That's progressive when you look at my voting record on defense uh very even my opponents i vote against that defense budget So did my predecessor ron dellum because defense spending is over 186 87 billion dollars i've led the effort to audit the pentagon which had never been audited before and i got a republican to help me do that so i work with republicans in a bipartisan way but guess what the pentagon now has flunked six audits we could use these investments in developing housing and health care and economic equity and jobs and businesses in our own communities. So I've been a consistent progressive over the years. I'm not sure what people uh, are saying because uh, they may not know my record and how I'm getting the job done for, for them. When I led the effort as an appropriator to make sure we save lives through targeting resources into the black community for COVID relief, I worked with Mayor Bass to make sure that our clinics and our our hospitals and our neighborhood our faith groups receive federal funds to address uh the covid pandemic by hiring trusted messengers these are people from the community to deliver the messages to provide the vaccines that's a progressive place that people understand is uh something that I did as a progressive because no one else would do that and so being a progressive means you're leading on issues that others won't lead on. And when you look at my fight against corporate greed, I mean, I've worked with Senator Sanders over the years to make billionaires pay their fair share taxes, my Oligarch Act, my CEO Compensation Act. Uh, I have a history of introducing progressive legislation. Uh, I work with Bishop Barber to lift people out of poverty with the Poor People's Campaign. My opponents don't do that. If that's not progressive, I don't know what is. And so I'm not sure... uh, what people are talking about in terms of being less progressive. Because when you look at my voting record, uh, people, news sources, and individuals and organizations have ranked me as as the most progressive member of Congress. (laughs) 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 Which sometimes they say, well, wait a minute. How are you getting so much done when they look at my record on what I've been able to get done? And it's important, when I was in the legislature, for example, we had a very right-wing governor, Pete Wilson. And I led on progressive issues, and he signed more of my bills into law than most other members during that period, and that's because I was progressive. He was he was very conservative, and, and I was able to negotiate with him for very progressive legislation. The Violence Against Women Act was my bill the children's health program that was my legislation the california school hate crimes act addressing hate with the lgbt for against the lgbt communities with young people in the school districts that was mine so my record of being progressive uh, is very clear and sometimes the media or those who don't want to see you win put out Misinformation and disinformation.
0: All right. Well, that's our job here at KVLA to clear up. Uh, you know, to, to clear it up and, and go to facts. Uh, co- you know, Congress is like the Supreme Court, and I mean, the Senate in particular is like the Supreme Court in that people always think the solution is to get the youngest possible person in there so they can stay in there forever. People tend to stay in the Senate, as 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 uh, Senator Feinstein did for their whole lives, like they do in the Supreme Court. Um, some folks think that it would be better to elect someone younger than yourself? What do you, how do you respond to that? I mean, it's the same, I guess, the same question Joe Biden is getting.
1: Yeah, when you, when you look at what's needed in the Senate, and that's experience, we need somebody who can hit the ground running and someone from California who has the perspective that uh, a Barbara Lee has with regard to lived experiences and who has a history of progressive legislation getting the job done and delivering for the state. And so California deserves a senator with that experience and somebody who also can challenge this government when it's wrong in terms of uh, going to war and not coming back to Congress or making sure that uh, we have poor people and low-income people and working families front and center in our legislative agenda and someone who can help organize and make sure that the voices of those who are unheard are lifted up. And that requires experience, and it requires someone who can hit the ground running. And that's um, my background, my experience, and I'm able to do that and want to represent California because it's it's about protecting our democracy, Dominique, right now. It's about understanding the levels of foreign policy and domestic policy that uh, a black woman and a woman with the experience that I have is needed uh, at that table at this moment in our history.
0: Talking with Congresswoman Barbara Lee, I really do think the situation in Gaza has become a very delineating um, conflict for the candidates in this particular Senate race, and we will talk about that when we come forward with Congresswoman Barbara Lee on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. covid Broadcasting live from Lower Park, USA. USA, USA. Welcome back to your home for Unapologetically Progressive Radio, KBLA Talk 1580.
0: Talking with Congresswoman uh, Barbara Lee. And actually, I was speaking on this, Congresswoman, before last night's uh, senatorial debate. But it, it really kind of confirmed what I thought, what I'd been thinking, which is that um, the situation in Gaza is really a defining um Scenario for the candidates in this race. Um, uh, certainly, you have taken the most progressive position on this particular issue.
1: Going back to why um, an experienced person, candidate, should be elected to the United States Senate, uh, a perspective and experience and representation matters. I have a long history, deep and broad, in foreign policy and international relations. And yes, I did vote against the 2001 authorization to go to war. I was the only one. And also the Iraq authorization the next year where um, Adam Schiff voted for it. And, And it's important that the public and voters understand that I believe, very, and I know very clearly, one is that Hamas is a terrorist organization, and I condemned it early on, and in fact, Israel deserves to be secure, and there is no way that I would not want to see a secure Israel. Secondly, I know also that the path to security and peace for the Israelis and the Palestinians is not by killing 25,000-plus civilians in an attempt to dismantle Hamas. Counterterrorism measures, yes, but you do not slaughter people, innocent civilians, uh, in a counterterrorism movement or war. Thirdly, what is taking place, as I said in 2001, and I'm saying now, that it is spiraling out of control. We saw that after 2001. We ended up staying in Afghanistan, and I said early on there's no military solution, and there wasn't. And now we see a path that will not lead to peace and security for the Palestinians and the Israelis to live side by side. It is eroding that chance right now, and we see a regional war, which I said early on, we have to be careful of if this continues to escalate. Now it is escalating and it's a threat to our own national security. And, and so it is important, Dominique, that a person with my perspective on foreign policy and my experience in foreign policy be in that Senate seat to keep the administration in check and to fight for peace and for security. Also, a lot of voters don't know, but I was the first African American to chair the Appropriations Committee that funds all of our international development and diplomacy efforts around the world. I fought to increase resources in the Middle East so that we could as our as the the provisions are in the bill that I wrote that the United States will not support anything that undermines the two-state solution, including terrorism, and including uh, settlement expansion and settler violence in Israel. And so I'm very experienced and know the Middle East and the world in which we live, and I know that a permanent ceasefire is necessary if we're going to save lives. It is catastrophic what's happening in Gaza. I've been to Gaza. I know the region very well, and I know that uh, until there's a permanent ceasefire, this pathway— to a political and diplomatic solution will not be there. And so, yes, it's a tough position to take. Uh, my opponents do not have the same perspective that I have, even Katie Porter, for a conditional ceasefire. Uh, and we cannot play around with the lives of people and the destruction that's taking place in the Middle East. Uh, and the humanitarian concerns and the release of the hostages have got to be foremost... In uh the United States policies uh because we've always supported Israel, and we have a lot of leverage, and we have to make sure that that uh, this permanent ceasefire is a policy of the United States, if in fact we believe that uh Israel's security is at stake and I do and uh it's counterproductive what is taking place right now.
0: Yeah, especially with Netanyahu now saying uh, unequivocally he doesn't believe it in a two state solution and doesn't see that as any any part of the goal for uh you know after they finish their campaign uh, Their, but their Dominique,
1: Dominique I've known I've known that all along. Yeah. And that's why when I chaired the committee I wrote that into the bill. You do not allow settlement expansion that uh, erodes the lines that have been agreed upon for a two-state solution. Now, the way that the settlements have expanded, there's no way. And and Netanyahu has supported, and I've seen this over and over again in um, the Middle East and in Israel and in Gaza, how the lines have been drawn by and with settler violence that's prominent there, uh, Netanyahu has not stopped any of this. He supported it, and so he has never really stood for a two-state solution. Again, that is why someone as experienced as I am with my perspective uh, should be in the United States Senate, because this is no uh, on-the-job training uh, for ensuring United States national security, because this can spiral out of control at any minute now.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I would argue it's, it's hurting our standing in the world. Um, so many things get jammed up in the Senate, you know, the voting rights, and uh, significant police reform. Uh, we seem to have a pretty dysfunctional Congress in general, but you still want to go there. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. That being a black woman, as you know, we're always challenged with with uh, systems and policies that have been established that we have to try to dismantle and disrupt, like when I was uh, attempting to be a cheerleader, first girl, black
0: first girl cheerleader <laughs> and you did it school, <laughs> yes. right?
1: yeah, and there was initially there was a criteria for selection, and I could not meet that criteria because I did not look like what they felt would uh, meet the criteria of a cheerleader. So I went to the NAACP. And they looked at what was taking place. They said, yes, you're right. And so they helped me organize the student body and the administration. A lot of pushback. This wasn't easy. But I finally was able to get them to establish an election process. So guess what? I tried out in front of the student body in an election, and I won. I was the first girl black cheerleader at San Fernando High School. So this is my life's work. This is what black people black men and women have to deal with in America constantly. So, yes, I understand the challenges. Uh, And, yes, I was sitting on the floor and barely escaped on January 6th. I've been in some very dangerous moments in my life. Uh, I was a community worker with the Black Panther Party, a target of COINTELPRO. Uh, I know what the FBI does and how it tried to disrupt the Black Panther Party and use agent provocateurs, and and I was... uh, Targeted to be killed, and my file—that is unbelievable. If you read what's blacked out in in my file, and so challenges uh, that we all have had are challenges that I have turned into trying to make things better in this mm. country, in this state, and in this world for Congresswoman, like myself.
0: Gotta leave it there, but thank you so much. I've, I've greatly enjoyed the conversation, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. You can go to barbarelee4ca.com. Tavis Smiley is up next. He's got a great show on deck for you. Until tomorrow, one love.